news for the end of august what's happening everybody thank you very much for checking out this edition of the show matt robinson with you here in the uh satellite tca studio here as we enjoy a little bit more of the summer before uh man less than two weeks away now until labor day so that's a bit of a bummer but we got a little news today i know you're all excited about it it's been funny to watch all the uh all the other hockey shows put out their tweets. We're, we're rushing back, you know, emergency show tomorrow. We'll be back with you for the first. Yeah. Yeah. Some of us never left. Some of us have been here all summer churning out the good stuff, but welcome back to everybody else. We're here to talk about exactly what you think we're here to talk about that. Of course, uh, Peter Holland signs a professional tryout with the Colorado avalanche. Remember him? Remember during the dark days, he was our number one center briefly. Uh, departed under the Babcock regime. Uh, anyway, Austin Matthews has signed a four-year contract extension at $13.25 million that will keep him here into his 30s. It will eat up the rest of his prime years. Uh, not a perfect contract for the Leafs by any means, but not a bad one either. Uh, you could also say the same for Matthews. I, I would say it's a little bit better for the player than it is for the team, but not without risk for him either. We'll talk a little bit about both of those. It's kind of funny. On, uh, on episode 1156, which we dropped on Wednesday with our buddy Kevin Mickey from Sportsnet. And go back, check that out wherever you're hearing us right now or at tallcanaudio.com. I said to him, I was getting a bit of an itch, right? Getting a little concerned, even concerned would be overstating it. But I had sort of thought we might hear something on the Austin Matthews front by now simply because he had made it pretty well known at the end of the season, he was going to stay, wasn't worried about getting a contract done. Uh, he wasn't going to be in a big rush. And so, as I said to Kevin Mickey, I sort of figured this would ride out a little bit earlier than this, right? The team would focus on the draft. Brad Treliving would get his feet underneath him after just coming in late to the job. Uh, they would focus on free agency, and then sort of turn around and get to this. And it was taking just a little longer than I thought. I kind of thought maybe mid to, you know, early to mid-August was when you might hear something about this. And, you know, all your insiders go on vacation and as do some of the hockey executives and stuff like that. So word kind of dries up. You hear less and less about it. And now you're getting to the point where, like I said, we're just, uh, we're less than two weeks till Labor Day. At that point, everybody starts rolling back in for those, you know, those informal skates. And I think that was a bit of a pressure point, not a huge one. They could have easily dragged this out a little longer if they wanted to. Last year, Nathan McKinnon, which is a name you're going to hear again later on on this podcast, uh, he signed his extension on September 20th, I believe. Camp was already open. But Colorado isn't Toronto. And I sort of wondered if... As everyone starts to arrive in town for those informal pre-training camp skates, he wouldn't want to be talking about this. They certainly weren't going to want to talk about this at training camp. And you know, on the very first day where they all report and they all do all their fitness training, all of that stuff, uh, before they begin on ice sessions, all the reporters are there. Everyone gets trotted out into the media. Everyone was going to be asked, are you at all worried about the Austin Matthews situation and to a lesser extent, the William Nylander situation. 
it was pretty obvious they didn't want any part of that. And, uh, and so they've gotten this done now. It was funny though, earlier in the day on, uh, on Wednesday, I guess this was uh, media day over in Europe. They, they've done this the last couple of years, a bunch of the media and league officials and a bunch of the European superstars meet up in some city in Europe and they, they do a bunch of interviews with, uh, with the media and they unveil some things and, and just, you know, it's kind of the same car wash that the North American guys do. Uh, often enough in Chicago or New York or Toronto, um, just before training camp happens here. And William Nylander was, uh, was one of the guys that they had taken a photo with the guys from 32 thoughts head, Jeff Merrick, Elliot Friedman, and they had been talking to him about whether or not he was concerned about not having a deal yet. And he was sort of, I don't know, sort of like, I don't know why everyone's so worried. It's still almost a year away. And I guess he's not yet familiar with Leafs nation. We, we worry about some things, uh, but it seemed like the news of the day was going to be all about William Nylander and how his contract doesn't appear to be anywhere close to done. And by the end of business on Wednesday, uh, it was all about Austin Matthews and, and that contract being finished. And the William Nylander comments, I, I can't imagine you're going to hear a thing about them here for the next day or two. So we're not going to make this uh, too long of an episode, but we'll just chew on a couple of the details here, some quick thoughts and... And we'll get to this uh, again, maybe in a little more detail with some more thoughts on it on uh, on the Monday morning show, perhaps. But for now, there's a little risk here on both sides as you sort of outline what you would have liked to have gotten versus what you got, whether it be for the team or for the player. Uh, the Leafs, no doubt, no doubt, would have preferred eight years instead of four, especially at this number, right? This makes Austin Matthews now the highest paid player in the league at $13.25 million dollars. You would have liked to have stretched that out. Most superstars have let you do that. Connor McDavid signed for eight years, right? Nathan McKinnon signed for eight years. Back in the day, Sidney Crosby was signing for eight years. Austin Matthews has done this before. In fact, he did it in 2019. He only took five. He's a much more, I I don't have a better term to describe it. We've talked about it on the show before. He's got almost an NBA type mind for this. And we see it all the time in other sports, right? And I'll sign here for two, three years. Keep my options open. Maybe I won't be happy here. Maybe we won't perform like we want to. And I'll peace out somewhere else. I'll go play with my buddies. We'll form a super team in Milwaukee or something. Is that a place they do super teams in the NBA? It might not be. But you understand what I'm saying. It leaves the power in the player's hand. And Matthews did that uh, back in 2019 when he signed a five-year deal. And he's done it again by only signing a four-year deal. And he'll be in uh, 30... 31, right around there. Anyway, when this one ends and in theory, that means he can sign one more big contract if he wants to, maybe it'll be in Toronto, maybe it won't be, but it's left the door open for another pretty big deal. And the Leafs weren't going to be able to get to where they needed to get to, to do that for eight years, right? Matthews is willing to take 13.25 now based on what this cap is going to be at, right? He's going to get about 15% of the cap, which is exactly what he got last time, but it won't be 15% of the cap in eight years, right? So he's sort of saying, I'll, I'll give you this now for four years, but the cap is going to go up every year now, pretty, pretty substantially. And I'm going to want to take a look around again in four years and see what I'm worth. See if the team is still any good. See if I'm still happy in Toronto all kinds of factors, and this gives him a ton of power in that regard. If the Leafs 
were going to get him to sign for eight years, the price tag was going to have to be way higher to accommodate for the fact that that cap number is going to keep going up. And so now you're looking at $15 million, $15.5 million. And eventually at the end of that contract, it's not that bad. It's about market value. It's, it's comfortable. You can do it. But right now, when you're trying to still sign Willie and you got to keep this team competitive around him, you just couldn't give him that big of a number. And so as the number of years comes down, the number of dollars comes down, and that's how you make this fit for the Leafs. And it allows Austin Matthews to maintain some power and some control. And as Leaf fans, it's incredibly frustrating. You wish your guys were like so many of the other guys that were willing to just go, yeah, no, eight years, take the stability and be fine with it. Matthews hasn't done that. So, you know, power to him. He's a smart guy, but as a fan, yeah, it's a bit of a bummer. But there's risk in this for him as well. He's been injured a fair bit, right? Averages about 70 games per season, so he's missing about 12 a year. And what happens if those injuries start to pile up or stop him from being the superstar that we're used to seeing him be? What happens if the season he had last year, which was fine, but was nowhere near as dominant as we're used to seeing him the year before he won the MVP and scored 60 goals? It was unrealistic to assume he was going to do that again, but I think we thought he'd get closer to it than that. What happens if that is his new normal and he's not going to be that MVP caliber guy anymore? He's not going to be that 60, whatever, 50, 55 goal guy anymore. In that case, he'd have preferred eight years because now I have all my money If I'm hurt, if I'm not the same player that I thought I was going to be, that everyone thought I was going to be, man, I'm glad I got that money up front because when I'm 31, I won't get it then, right? By then I'm a little older. I'm into my thirties. I'm beat up. I'm on the tail end. I'm headed downwards. So there's risk in that regard as well. You look at it from the team side uh, on the beneficial side, this team has not had any playoff success. I don't have to tell you that. What if that continues to be the case? What if there's something about this group that just isn't going to get over the hump and you want to have some flexibility? Well, in two years, we don't know what's going to happen with Willie here over the next year or so. I assume he gets signed, but it's not a given. In two years, Tavares and Marner are both up, which means you can start negotiating with them next summer. John Tavares's number is certainly going to go down. By how much? We'll see. He's not going to do the Spezza thing. But he's not going to be, you know, still a 9, 10, 11 million dollar player either. How much does he want to take a discount to help out the team, if at all? And if he's not willing to take a discount, what is that max number for a John Tavares in his mid-30s by then? Marner, who knows, views himself, perhaps rightly, as a top dog in the league. Doesn't think he's worth a whole lot less than Austin Matthews. We'll see whether or not all of this is going to fit again and how it's going to work. But what you have bought is five years of Austin Matthews. You have bought five years this year, which is the final one of his existing contract, and then four more on the new one that kicks in next year. You get to know in five years, this needed to be blown up. We're actually ready to rebuild. It's gone so poorly and we don't really want to be locked into Austin Matthews. Maybe you're trading him that last year before the final season or at the deadline. Uh, Maybe it's gone great. Maybe you're getting ready to take another run at it. But 
on the beneficial side of it, and I said up front, don't sit there and claim that I'm trying to now paint this as the perfect situation. I said they would have preferred longer term. But it's not the end of the world that they didn't get it. It gives them the ability in five years to be able to look around, reevaluate, and decide what do we want to do now. And as I pointed out earlier, it also currently gives them a workable number, $13.25 million for the next four years after this upcoming season, that will allow them to do Nylander if they want to do that, to move on and bring in a different set of pieces, maybe instead of giving them to one player, you give a couple of players uh, half each. It, it leaves some flexibility that they wouldn't have had if they had had to pay, as I said, like 15, 15 and a half to get Matthews for the next eight years. It kept that number low enough to be workable that they can do some other things here now and, and be flexible. So there are pros and cons for the player and for the team. And that's negotiation, right? Nobody's 100% happy, but we're all, we're all reasonably happy. We can all live with this. This is a workable situation for everybody. I want to put this into some context because I'm seeing people out there and this always happens that are falling all over themselves about highest paid player in the league, which prior to today was Nathan McKinnon at 12.6. He got that a year ago. Prior to that, it was Connor McDavid at 12.5. Those are relevant numbers. They're worth looking at. They're fair to look at, but you have to look at percentage of the cap. Connor McDavid signed for 16.6% of the cap when he signed his contract. It was 2018, I believe. And that gave him $12.5 million. You go back to, what, 2009? 2008? When Sidney Crosby signed for 16.6% of the cap, that was like $8.7 million. You can't just say the actual annual value. You have to put it into the context of a number that keeps going up. How much money is available to each team? And I know that sounds patronizing. I know that sounds obvious, but not everybody does it because I'm sitting here right now reading on my Twitter, Austin Matthews is not worth $750,000 more per season than Connor McDavid. And no, he isn't. And Nathan McKinnon isn't worth $100,000 more than Connor McDavid. And no, he isn't. But that's not how this works. That's not the way this works. Just because Connor McDavid signed an eight-year contract and the cap continued to go up while that contract was playing out, the rest of the league doesn't have to sit there and go, nope, not taking more than Connor. That wouldn't be fair. The world changes. The landscape changes. The cap number changes. There's more money available in the system and top players are going to go get it. So when you look at the Austin Matthews number and you see he's making $13.25 million, it doesn't mean that he believes he's $750,000 better than Connor McDavid. Maybe he does believe it, but that's not what this cap hit means. He has taken 15% of the cap. It's an interesting number. And I told you off the top, you were going to hear more about Nathan McKinnon. When he took his $12.6 million contract a year ago, that was 15% of the cap. And as I said, when Connor McDavid signed his contract, he took 16.6%. And Sidney Crosby took 16.6%. Those are what the cream of the crop, 
the well-known, well-understood, everybody agrees, best players in the world at the time have taken 16.6. Austin Matthews has taken 15. It's actually lower than 16.6. I don't want to run any math by you here. It's hot. It's August. You're not, you know, trying to work too hard. 15 is lower than 16.6. The world changes. The cap goes up. Those numbers are going to go up. Austin Matthews took exactly what Nathan McKinnon took a year ago. Do you think either one of those guys are better than Connor McDavid? I don't. Do you think that Nathan McKinnon and Austin Matthews are probably comparable players sort of in that conversation right after Connor McDavid for who's the second, third, fourth best center in the league? Yeah, I think that's an interesting conversation. So you would you have it that they're probably making similar money? Yeah, I probably would. 15% of the cap. That's it. It's no more complicated than that. As the cap grows, the numbers go up. So I guess what I'm saying is you can pretty much ignore the the people jumping up and down about the actual dollar figure. It's not like it's not worth talking about. It's not like it's not interesting, but it doesn't paint the most accurate picture. Yes, in principle, it feels weird that Austin Matthews makes more than Connor McDavid, but when you're trying to forecast where the cap is going and then do a contract that's going to play out over the long term, this is just what happens sometimes. Uh, let's put this in perspective for the Leafs just quickly before I wrap this up and what it means for them in terms of some history and, and what might be able to get done here. If Austin Matthews were to continue to score at the same rate he has scored since he came into the league, he will finish this contract about 100 goals ahead of Matt Sundin for the Toronto Maple Leafs all-time goal-scoring lead. I'm not sure whether or not he will continue at quite that pace, but with a 100-goal cushion, he will, by the end of this contract, be the all-time goal-scoring leader for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I know these sorts of things are important to some players. I don't know how important it is to Matthews, but no doubt he will place a little bit of importance on his final place in history with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, that'll, that'll have some value to him. Also, if he were to score at roughly an 89-point pace, also accounting for the fact that on average he misses 12 games per season, which isn't ideal. But if he were to continue to do that, play 70 games a year at a roughly 89-point pace, he would also pass Matt Sundin by the end of this contract to be the all-time point-scoring leader for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So those will be the two big ones, right? In terms of individual awards, he would be the all-time goal-scoring leader for the team. He would be the all-time point-scoring leader for the team. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. Mitch Marner has got a slightly higher pace on that, so he might get there first, um, which will be an interesting race in and of itself if Mitch is here long-term. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun to watch as a fan. But those two things are reachable. Uh, the goal-scoring one, certainly, if he keeps up his pace, not just reachable, he should shatter that by the end of this, uh, this record, which is interesting. The big one, of course, though, that we will all be watching for, can he get to the third round? Maybe the fourth round. And you can only wonder... Can he win a championship? Because none of the rest of this stuff is really going to matter to the fans. It's fun to follow the history and, and to understand that you are watching right now perhaps the greatest player in franchise history. It's an exciting day if you're a Leaf fan because they just locked him up for another four years. You are going to get to watch him through his prime. It's fun to know that, right? It's fun to have that in your back pocket and know that when you turn on some lame Thursday night game against the Columbus Blue Jackets, at least you're going to have this guy making it interesting, right? To be able to watch him. But at the end of the day, if this group doesn't win a championship, 
it will be a massive disappointment, a massive waste of unreal talent. So that's what's out in front of him right now. He has signed up for that kind of pressure under the brightest lights in the league. And that's worth something too, right? It would have been easy for him to watch. I've been, been sharing tweets on our Twitter of some of the uh, some of our friends in the Ottawa sports media that have been saying for years, Matthews is leaving. As soon as the deal's up, he's going to Arizona. I can't possibly fathom anyone who believed he was going to Arizona. I've said on the show a bunch of times before, maybe LA, maybe Chicago, maybe Miami, maybe New York, you know, cap situations notwithstanding. He wasn't going to Arizona. He can see what we can all see, that that is a shit show currently playing in a junior hockey barn that has no money. He was never going there. Might he have left for major American markets where he could continue to be a superstar? Yes, that was a possibility. But the number of people that were just tweeting out, as soon as this is done, as soon as his contract's up, he's out. Little egg on their faces today as Toronto, uh, Toronto locks up their superstar for another four years after this year. So five years total, uh, $13.25 million is the price tag on the contract. It is 15% of the cap. Pretty reasonable. Like I said, off the top risk for both sides. There's reward for both sides. It's a pretty workable contract, I think for both sides. And that's why it got done. There's a little pain when you negotiate, but at the end of the day, you get to something that both sides can work with. And I think that's where they got to here. It's not a great deal for the team. It's not the perfect deal for Matthews, but it's fine. It's livable. It's not a home run for anybody. It's just, uh, it's workable. And that's the way it's supposed to feel when you walk away from a tough negotiation. So let's get to Willie, get it done. Get my boy, Willie Styles under contract. That's where we'll leave this one for tonight. We weren't really expecting to put out a show, but this was big enough news, obviously, that uh, it was worth doing something. We'll, of course, be back on Monday morning with an all-new episode of the podcast, so we'll see you all then. My name's Matt Robinson. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you later. What was that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy?